Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Today on the Indo Daily, the South Dublin planning saga and the quest for go away money. In a South Dublin suburb where houses regularly sell for over a million euro, a number of residents made a demand. For the princely sum of €225,000 each, these neighbours would agree to not object to a housing development in the area. This group uh, of residents who were, were making the list of demands were also offering to go to other neighbours with an offer. But there was no cash there. When we say this was, was secret, it wasn't just, you know, it was, oh, it was kind of don't tell anybody. It was actually specified. There will be no disclosure from any party of any of the provisions of this agreement. But all didn't go exactly to plan, and now Gardaí are involved. The developer reported this matter to the Gardaí believing there was a potential fraud to be investigated. However, this has also gone to Madison, the biggest legal firm in Ireland, because the resident who is a senior solicitor sent the list of demands using their work email to do so. And in a statement from Madison, they said that the individual now no longer works for them. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Fionan Sheehan to tell us the story, the fallout for a senior lawyer who has left his job as a consequence, and to explain why the Irish Independent has been circumspect in some of its reporting. Fionan, we know there's a housing crisis. We know that the planning system in Ireland is, well, in trouble a lot, let's put it politely. You've been covering a story for the last two weeks. Well, I know, in fact, you've actually been working on it for for a good bit longer than that, which has got people's attention, not just because it's in South Dublin, which always looks good in a headline, let's be honest, but the nature or this idea of go-away money. Yeah, so politely called go-away money in South County Dublin, where you and I come from down the country, it's probably called F-off money, to be, to be quite frank, and that's probably a more uh, accurate d- description. And this is basically where, be it a developer or just somebody in their own house, going for plan permission and people are objecting or, or threatening to object, and that, that could be a neighbour or it could be a residence association, and basically uh, payments having to be made to make this, this problem go away. Now, apparently this, this practice is fairly widespread. People are, from what I'm hearing, very often it is a case that, yeah, people have legitimate concerns, they, they lodge these concerns, and a developer 
will look at that and say, well, is there something else I can do here to ameliorate the, the position, such as do additional landscaping uh, of, of an area, put money into community facilities, upgrade the roads and the footpaths, and that would help bring people along. But likewise, you're also hearing that, you know, sometimes people putting extensions onto their house, a neighbour will object, and basically in order to uh, to smooth over the, the, the process, a few bob chases, changes hands. Now, there is nothing, not necessarily illegal. Um, it might be a bit of sharp practice. It might be ethical questions about it. We're going to talk, though, about a very specific case involving pretty hefty sums of money, it has to be said. Tell me about the €225,000 demands in this South Dublin case. Yeah, so this is a, a, a salubrious Southside uh, Dublin suburb. And you love the old adjectives for this, isn't it? But but can't, we can't go further in terms of our, our, our description here. But basically, we had uh, people who were neighbours uh, of a of a of a development that was happening, making demands of of a developer, basically for, for cash payments uh, in return for them not objecting to to planning permission. And this was actually it. it there was a meeting between these residents and the developer and there was then a, a written uh, list of, of demands put to the developer and basically it was broken down as follows. It was quite clearly stated in this email that this would be in return for, for not objecting to, to taking an objection to the, the plan information and secondly not supporting any other objections by other people in the area and they're basically looking for 125 grand cash upfront and that was after tax tax position to be to be determined then there was a couple of ancillary payments attached to that as well they're basically looking for a, a wall to be built type of stone to be decided uh, upon apparently that that very much mattered uh, as well and if that couldn't be and some other landscaping issues and if that couldn't be delivered then they wanted another 50 grand in cash after tax and then a third one was an aspect of the development itself that they wanted changed and if that couldn't be delivered upon there was to be another 50 grand paid and the developers were basically given 24 hours to decide upon this and determine whether they're going to pay or not there was to be another offer put to other Neighbors uh, yeah, of this, these this for me is actually the bit that I find this is the, the best bit of, part. This yeah. is the bit I find a bit offensive. So, so just so we have it all correct, Fionn, this development is being planned in an area of South Dublin. We'll explain in a moment why we can't actually tell listeners where that was. Three households or neighbors come together with this list of demands, which you've mentioned. But there's a lot more neighbors in the area. It's not that there are just three houses bordering this development site. What was in it for the other neighbours? So this group uh, of residents who were, were making the list of demands were also offering uh, to go to other neighbours with with an offer. But there was no cash there. Uh, the other neighbours were to, to get a wall, presumably type of stone to be determined, uh, as, as was outlined in, in their own case, and some ancillary landscaping issues as well around, and issues around the boundary between the houses and, and the development. 
And that was it. Basically, there wasn't to be any 125 grand cash up front or 50 grand for this or 50 grand So in for essence, that. they were offering to help smooth it over with the rest of the residents. With, with, the, other, with the other neighbors, But they'd yeah. have the money in their bank account and mm-hmm. no one was to know about it. This is key to it, was mm-hmm. that they would, all sides, the developer and these particular households, would agree that they would never speak of this money again. Yeah, and, and it was that they wouldn't support any other objection, whether by way of financial contribution, provision of information or, or otherwise, so that this group of residents were not going to, to weigh in if somebody else was uh, objecting to the, the planning permission. And it was, when we say this was, was secret, it wasn't just, you know, it was, oh, it was kind of don't tell anybody. It was actually specified. There will be no disclosure from any party of any of the provisions of this gr- agreement. So it was just to be these residents and the developers, they would be the only person, people who would know about it. Now, I note as you sit in front of me that you are reading specifically from this correspondence that was sent by this group of neighbours, which you reported over the last few days, came from the email account or a work email account from a very big law firm in Dublin. Yeah, so as you can tell, they're quite legalistic language that, that we're using there. And lo and behold, you know, the, the homeowners who were involved in this, you know, very reputable positions they occupy. There was a, a senior executive in a prestigious professional services firm, director of an international company and a member of, of a state board. And actually that professional services company was Ireland's largest legal firm, who are Matheson. They are the lawyers of choice of the tech sector based uh, in Grand Canal Dock in a very fine seven-storey building there. They employ 800 staff across Ireland and also they have offices in in Silicon Valley and Paris and London. So this is a a big entity and and a homegrown Dublin firm as well that built up uh, over time, very much involved in, in, in multinational sector dealing with things like tax regimes uh, and so on. So, you know, very highly prestigious firm in Dublin. So it transpired that basically this email was sent from their account because one of the individuals uh, involved, the lead person who was sending the email, was a, a senior lawyer with that firm. So after the initial story, we approached Madison and said to them, are you aware that this email uh, setting out these demands was sent from one of your own email accounts and you have any comment uh, about that. So I was kind of leaving it up to them to, to respond. They might have decided, listen, we've, we've nothing really to say uh, about this or what are you talking about and so on. They said they came back with a very strong statement saying Madison email and stationery is for Madison business only. So quite clearly they were saying this is not unofficial business. This was not Madison business. We take this very seriously. So they were actively looking into it and then that was on, on Thursday evening on the very day so back quite quick with a, with a response and there was no like no comment or we're looking into it or what are you talking about nothing like that they were back in a very firm statement and then on Friday things went further where they said we take this very seriously and the individual no longer works for Madison so on foot of this issue arising the individual who is a senior solicitor with Ireland's largest legal firm no longer works for them Now I think at this point it is worth explaining why we're being a little bit cryptic around some of this because 
somebody now has left their job over this. You mentioned there's somebody else on a state board. There are this, this is still playing out in some ways. And yet you haven't told us where exactly this development is. You haven't told us who these people are, even though it seems quite obvious to me that you do know who they are. Mm. Um, why are you being so circumspect about some of the details here? And I've seen a lot of people on social media questioning why not name and shame them? Yeah, so I mean, we do know exactly who, who the people are and have approached each of them, spoke to the, the senior lawyer concerned on the telephone 10 days ago. That individual told me initially the answer was, oh, I've, I've no involvement uh, in that. Then once I said, but you sent an email detailing the list of demands, the answer was no comment. And that was that was the, the end of that conversation. A second individual involved approached them at their, their house and they were there. And when I said who I was and what it was about, the answer I got back was, I don't talk to people. Thank you. So that was the end of that conversation. And the... Another individual had had contact details left with them and told them what what the issue uh, was about. So in each of the cases, people were given ample opportunity to respond if they wished to do so. The difficulty with this case, and why have we not given the the location, the developer involved, the individuals concerned, is twofold. Number one, it has been reported to on on Garda Shiakana. The developer uh, referred this on, uh, basically claiming that there was uh, illegality at play here. That that has been referred to the guard. The guard, he say that they are reviewing the, the matter, so there may or may not be an investigation there. We, we, we don't know. And then the second major issue, though, from our perspective as, as a publisher, is that this is our draconian libel laws at play. Despite the fact that we're very confident about the facts that we are dealing with here, despite the fact we now have basically got Ireland's largest legal firm effectively confirming all of our facts because of their response to this issue. I was quite impressed actually by Matheson. They were very transparent uh, on this issue when you look at the statement they came out because we were very nervous about even going to them to suggest that a member of the, of their staff was involved in something like this because there was a risk there that they could have taken a different view or that you know, another company would have taken a different view. They took a very firm firm stance on this matter and they dealt with it pretty swiftly. That doesn't happen a whole lot. A lot of other people who you go to will shut up shop, as we saw with the senior lawyer concerned. As soon as the facts are put to him, he says no comment. And the person who doesn't talk to people, which I think is one of the best answers a journalist has got on a doorstep, in a, and I've done many a doorstep myself, but no one's ever turned around. They've slammed doors. They've told me to F off. They said no comment, but no one has ever told me that they don't talk to people full stop. Yeah, um, it's, it's more polite and genteel on the south side of Dublin, I suppose, yeah. Perhaps, perhaps. You have received quite a response to this story. It has grabbed people's attention. We've seen the figures on independent.ie. It has been very widely read. Mm. You, a lot of people have contacted you on the back of this and I know you've written about some of the examples uh, and allegations that have come to you. Now, they're anecdotes, they're allegations. I think that's worth pointing out. You haven't investigated each of these, but they probably speak to what people believe to be going out on out there in the planning sector in, in, in terms of some of the practices that are happening. Yeah, so, I mean, some of those who, who contacted me were people involved in the property industry, some of it was from politicians, some of it was well, on their own experiences, and some of it was from residents of areas. And yes, some of them are allegations, assertions, anecdotes. I'm, I'm not 
saying I've checked out each of these, but... Uh, but I think the fact that there are so many speaks to something. People are saying in the property industry that this is widespread, that it's, it's happening all over. So, you know, one rather serious case, a solicitor's firm, one I'd have to point out, that does not specialise at all in planning law, so nothing really to do with the, with their regular business, wanting 300 grand to not launch a judicial review against a, a development in South Dublin. Again, reputable sources telling us this. Residents of Dublin City looking for disturbance money to not interfere with the construction. Locals also in Dublin clubbing together to object to a building in order to get a payout, which is believed to have, have worked for them. Then a developer in the West of Ireland getting a 500 grand claim from someone who lives in another province entirely. So as no business objecting to an issue homeowner living adjacent to a site seeking a payment multiple times the value of, the, of, the, of their own uh, property. So in terms of people saying, oh this is going to devalue the value of, of my home, well your, your home isn't worth multiple times that, so how, how does that match up? And then another one residents wanted 500 grand to withdraw their objections. So as we've pointed out, look, very often developers will come forward with funds for community facilities and that, that's regarded as very much acceptable. You also, we do live in a, a democracy. People have, do have rights. People have very strong property rights under the constitution. They should be entitled to make observations or if they are objections to a planning development. But it does strike one that sometimes the balance is going too far here. And the point that developers are making is these delays in the planning system are just adding to the cost because the cost of financing the loans, the interest in that has to be paid off. And if you were delayed by a year or two because of, of people objecting, where ultimately you could have a development that the, the local planners are saying they find reasonable, or local planners will come back and go, we like this part of it, but we don't like that. We think you should change that and they'll, they'll amend that in line with planning regulations, you can still get held up by local residents objecting or going all the way to the courts with a judicial review. And as you mentioned, we all know there's a housing crisis. That's not news at this point in the conversation. But the planning system in particular is one area that has been fueling that crisis. I think it's fair to say over the last few years. Uh, on board Panola has been in strife itself. What is happening politically in that space, Fionan, in terms of trying to remedy some of the issues we have with planning in this country? Yeah, so we've had for the past several years now fast-track planning processes being brought in where you're basically bypassing the local council so the, your planning application goes into the local council, but it, it effectively, if you want to object, you have to go directly to Board Panala are, are deciding on kind of a, a, a national level. However, there are a large number of judicial reviews being taken. So it, it's still, just because it's called fast track doesn't mean that it is fast track. You you end up down the courts. Some have fallen as a result of that. Many have have continued on as well. As you say, within the, the complaint is that in a, a council scenario, there's a fixed amount of time within which you put up your planning application and the council has to come back to you within a, a, a fixed period of time. Within Borpanala, that isn't there. It can, it can drag on for quite some time. And we're basically seeing that there is new planning legislation now been, has been drafted by government and has been put through. However, you know, whenever you look at this area, it does tend to be the case that it's, it's quite controversial because existing homeowners don't tend to be too amenable to new developments coming into their area. We call it NIMBYism. Some people will just say they have environmental concerns or they have planning concerns or traffic or the amenities aren't up to, to scratch or there's no facilities in, in an area uh, or local services and whatever the reason being put forward. But 
they do tend to be backed up by politicians. So in the Dáil on a weekly basis, we see discussions about how there is a housing crisis and there are problems and there's a lack of supply and so on and so forth. And members of those self-same parties then go out and object to planning uh, applications in their area. So it's not as if a party is sitting down and has a housing spokesperson who is saying, we believe as a political party that represents the national interest that this planning application here does not stand up to scrutiny and therefore in the national interest we are, we are going to uh, submit an observation or objection to it. It's always the local politician in the local area where the local residents associations are the ones kicking up. Because they're the ones who vote. They're the ones who vote. Fiona Sheehan, thank you very much. My thanks to Irish Independent Ireland editor Fionnán Sheehan. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced by Tabitha Monaghan with sound by Niall McMonagall. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. And you can find more of our journalism on independent.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Listener.